0: Welcome to The Victory Kitchen, the podcast all about American food rationing during World War II. I'm your host, Sarah Creviston-Lee, author, historian, and vintage foodie. I'll be exploring the logistics of food rationing, featuring wartime cookbooks and recipes, and highlighting real home-front experiences. We're going to be learning exactly what our grandmothers had to do to get their food to fight for victory. Welcome to another episode of the Victory Kitchen. This is episode 15, Keeping Trim for Uncle Sam. We are going to be talking about weight loss in wartime. And when I was scheduling out all my podcast episodes, I promised that I did not purposely put this episode coming out at the first of the new year when everyone, or at least a lot of people, make some kind of goals or resolutions to start off the new year. And many of them have to do with weight loss. So um, I just realized that's the, how the schedule turned out, <laughs> but I promise I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I guess it works out. Now, before we get into today's episode, I have a few caveats because this episode is about losing weight or what they termed reducing in wartime. So I'll be sharing a few personal thoughts and experiences, but that in no way means I think you should feel that way or do those things too. Also, this is a big one. There might be some language referring to individuals who are overweight that we would definitely find offensive today. So keep in mind that this is how they spoke about it in the 1940s. And it also does not reflect how I personally view the subject. And finally, it's very tempting to try some of these wartime methods for losing weight. And if that's an experiment you'd like to try, I strongly suggest going over it with your doctor first. Like we talked about in the canning episode, science has improved since the 1940s, and the knowledge about how bodies function and how they interact with food is much better understood than it was back then. All right, so reducing in wartime. What does reducing in wartime have to do with rationing? Well, besides it being an interesting aspect of social culture in our country, there also seemed to be an underlying belief by some that rationing would help them lose weight. I mean, that may have been the case in the UK or in more dire places like Europe, and East Asian countries like Japan and Korea, where rationing was just really another name for a starvation diet. But in the US, on the average, Americans were pretty well fed. But like we've talked about before, they were undernourished. And that's what the underlying problem was. So there were at least four ways reducing was promoted in wartime America. And really, this is just, I think, the tip of the iceberg. Because Just like today, if you went to Google, you know, lose weight, you would come up with countless sites or fads or (laughs) diets, uh, ways to lose weight, miracle drugs, whatever. Um, That's kind of the case in the 1940s as well. There were a lot of things available. And so I am really just covering very basic things, but there's still a lot to cover. So these four ways of... the way reducing was promoted in wartime America were they were advised through cookbooks. There were fad diets, including miracle pills and things like that, and diets published in newspaper columns. There were articles and ads in magazines. And then there was mail order courses like the Dewberry Success Course is the most famous one. I'll mainly be focusing on the diets talked about in newspaper articles and cookbooks, and then one magazine article. All right, let's start with the diet fads and products found in newspapers. And I found a lot with just a few search terms in a very short period of time, if that tells you anything. (laughs) But first I wanted to start out with this interesting article from the independent record 7th of October 1941. So, this is just a couple months before the U.S. entered the war. It was called General Fatigue, maybe fifth columnist of home. If you've been meaning for a long time to get back into condition, now is the time to begin. These may be perilous times ahead, and it will be patriotic to be fit. General Fatigue may be the fifth columnist in your program of home defense. Um. <laughs> This was a very heavy handed way of saying, to be patriotic, you must be trim and fit in your top peak condition. And the fact that they're calling like general fatigue, meaning like people are feeling tired, exhausted. That is the fifth columnist in your program of home defense. I don't know. That's, (laughs) well, that's the 40s for you right there. Um, But this was also kind of a clue, like uh, people feeling fatigued, you know, was a symptom of something, um, whether it was undernourished or not getting enough food or, you know, being overweight and you're just tired. So there's, I mean, there's, it could mean a lot of things, but it's just interesting that this article, you know, is addressing this issue. The next thing is miracle pills, supplements, or quote-unquote diet foods. I think this is one of the most interesting sections (laughs) of categories in these newspaper articles. Uh, The first one is stay trim the Hollywood way. Bring your figure up to date, down in weight. This was for the Hollywood bread baked exclusively in Spokane, Washington by Jacobson's Bakery. The claims were that it helped you reduce because it was made without fat or shortening of any kind. And they showed the lovely actress Marjorie Reynolds. So this was in March of 1945. Um, It did not say that Ms. Reynolds ate this bread, but really it's just a fat-free bread, but it's supposed to help you lose weight. I don't know. (laughs) Then the next thing is this thing called vitine. The headline says, get rid of ugly fat. New no hunger vitamin way gets results while you eat plenty. The claim is that this liquid vitamin mineral supplement allows you to eat normally while losing weight. You take two tablespoons and a glass of juice, coffee, or any other beverage. I guess you just interpret that the way you want to. And then it contains, quote, vitamin A, B, C, D, and G, as well as calcium, phosphorus, and strength-building proteins. More of these precious nourishing substances probably than you would normally get in your food at lunch. Vitine acts, first of all, to satisfy your appetite without adding an ounce. Secondly, it helps to induce the body to utilize its own fat for energy, close quote. The cost was $1.89. And this was from the Kansas City Star in January of 1942. See, this right here is also, you know, they're playing on that You're not getting enough nourishment in your food. And so this vitamin supplement will help you satisfy your appetite with all these lovely vitamins and minerals. This is the first time I've seen... I mean, I don't know the complete history of weight loss fads and stuff and products, but this is the first time I see where they're starting to talk about the body burning up its own fat stores for energy. The next article was from the El Paso Herald Post in Texas from January of 1944. It says, oh, this is, oh, dear. This is titled, Personal to Certain Fat Women, a drug called marmoia aimed at women that were overweight due to a thyroid deficiency. Uh, The claim was that it was not a cure-all and you had to strictly follow the directions for usage on the bottle and in the accompanying pamphlet and to consult a physician with questions. It does not exactly say what it is or what's in it. So I don't know (laughs) what this is about. But it's, you know, playing to this, you know, women who have thyroid issues. But man, that title, (laughs) rude. Okay, so next Uh, But, you know, this is something that I actually studied in college was the image of women in magazines. And uh, there were lots of advertisements like this, where they just come straight to the point um, about overweight issues. And they just, there's no softening it in any way. (laughs) Okay, the next article is from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram from August of 1942. It says that New style dresses won't hide ugly fat. Lose fat and eat plenty. Eat potatoes, starches. And that's actually one thing that was blamed on rationing, that the potatoes and starches were part of the reasons for weight gain. So the claim was this delicious vitamin fortified AIDS candy, A-Y-D-S. You eat one before each meal, and it helped to dull your appetite for fattening foods. Oh, that's handy. (laughs) Um, quote with this new aids simple plan you eat plenty not too much you don't cut out any meals even potatoes starches meats or butter you simply cut them down which is easy when you enjoy delicious aids before each meal close quote (laughs) no laxatives no exercise no drugs they called it quote unquote absolutely harmless you could obtain it at fort worth's largest cosmetic center i find that interesting You can get a 40-day supply for $2.25. Now, I wanted to know how much this actually cost. So I did my little handy calculation um, to find out what it was in today's money. And I actually found a really cool new, to me, inflation calculator online via officialdata.org. And I will have a link for this on my blog. It was very easy to use. So no math... (laughs) on a paper, or your own calculator needed. So in today's money, $2.25 was $35.68. That is nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> um, that's a lot of money for pretty much a month's supply of this special candy that dulls your appetite for fats. All right, the next one is also from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram from October of 1944. It says, try this amazing barcel recipe to take off ugly fat right in your own home. You can lose pounds of excess weight without starvation, diet, or strenuous exercise. The claim is that, quote, it's easy, no trouble at all, and costs little. It contains nothing harmful. Just go to your druggist and ask for four ounces of liquid barcel concentrate. Pour this into a bottle and add enough grapefruit juice to fill the bottle. Then take two tablespoons twice a day. That's all there is to it. The very first bottle doesn't show you the simple, easy way to lose bulky fat and help regain reducible pounds, and inches of excess fat don't just seem to disappear, almost like magic, from neck, chin, arms, bust, abdomen, hips, calves, and ankles, just return the empty bottle for your money back. They also claim that bloat disappears, and you appear more youthful and active, I love that phrase, you appear that way, but are you really? (laughs) And there is no starving or going hungry. That sounds easy enough, right? Okay, the next one is from the Akron Beacon in Ohio. It's from November 1942. Oh, this is a fun one. <laughs> this is the the title of the ad. Wonder wartime reducing plan that burns off fat safely, quickly. No starving, no drugs, no violent exercise. <laughs> I really love that. <laughs> And then it says, here now is a way you can reduce to that slim, military-looking trim figure you want. A way not only safe, but simple and pleasant. Thus, in the interest of health and a better figure, why not do now what you know you should do? Start today and get rid of some of those ugly rolls of fat that now give you an unsightly S-bump figure. The whole idea of this plan is to provide good food in an amount which permits you to slenderize safely and easily. There's no dosing with racking salts or drugs you know nothing about, no pulling yourself to pieces exercising, and no fainting on a lettuce leaf. This way you even eat desserts. So what was this miracle food that they're talking about? I want to know. It's called the Wonder Wartime Reducing Plan. Uh, This is also the title of a book provided by your grocer. This diet plan essentially surrounded the eating of the new Wonder Wheat Bread containing vitamin B1 which was the vitamin science had found at the time necessary for turning carbohydrates into the quote-unquote flame fat burns in. So this is another reference to your body burning off this excess fat by the help of something else. So in this case, vitamin B1. So you're really just eating whole wheat bread with vitamin B1. That's what the diet is. So, yeah. But I just, I love that. No pulling yourself to pieces, exercising, and no fainting on a lettuce leaf. Yes. (laughs) All right. The next one is the Poughkeepsie Eagle News, 7 February 1942. And this is not a a diet fad or even a supplement, but it was a lovely poem written by Zoe Beckley called Vitamin Verses that I, I thought you would enjoy. She says... Although they prefer to keep it quiet, there is such a thing as the Hollywood diet. Here's what it is and nothing else sir. than vitamin B and Alka-Seltzer. Hollywood stars eat much what they please. I've watched them attacking spaghetti and cheese. So you don't have to feel obligated to try it, this frightening thing called the Hollywood diet. For some of us humans are built like a hound, who never get fat though you feed him a pound. And some are like pugs, who could starve themselves sick yet still have a waistline distressingly thick. (laughs) Oh, dear. Thank you, Zoe Beckley, for uh, giving us that lovely poem. Um, (laughs) Like I said, there's so many products that were out there during wartime, um, and even before that, that advertised helping women to lose weight. But what's interesting, I don't know if you caught that reference to the slim military-like figure, that's something definitely unique to wartime, and I find that really interesting that they're appealing to that, because if I was a woman in wartime, I think I would be thinking about that. Like, I want to have that, that trim military figure, because that was just kind of the ideal. It's in all the women's magazines, all these romance stories featuring women in the military or dating a military man. They are all slim, all in amazing shape. And um, it was just this social kind of pressure to look that way. And I don't know if you also recognize any phraseology that is still in use today. Like the phrase, burns off fat, you know, that phrase is very common even still. So anyway, it's a little eerie to see that some of these sound a little familiar still. All right, next we're going to get into food diets that are advertised in the newspapers via columns. The first one is from the Harrisburg Telegraph from January 1943. And the title of the article says, One Day Liquid Diet May Help Control Figure. This was written by Antoinette Donnelly. The liquid diet was prescribed for once a week. It consists of at least five glasses of milk a day, together with several additional glasses of fruit juices. So that, back then, milk was considered a protective food and was an important aspect of this particular diet. The milk could be varied by means of a bit of chocolate, vanilla, honey, fruit syrup, or other flavorings. Vegetable juices, as well as beef broth and creamed soup could also be taken. And then coffee or tea could be included if desired. So she recommends, because fluids don't stay in you very long that you plan on taking in nourishment every two to three hours. The article says, a liquid diet of this nature, besides being reducing in itself, has a tendency to shrink the stomach. If you repeat the procedure every week over a period of time, it may help to cure you of a desire to overeat. And the claim was that many Hollywood movie stars, singers, and actresses of stage and radio practice this one-day weekly liquid diet. So for this particular diet, these are the credentials that you know, because many Hollywood stars and singers and actresses of the stage do this diet that makes it good and okay. Um, But it does say to consult your physician before starting any diet. So I do have to give that to them. I'm glad that they say that. So you can see a little bit of responsibility being taken there. (laughs) The independent record from Montana in October 1941 has an article that says, Here's what you've been asking for, a low-cost meat-reducing diet. So it's not reducing meat. It's using meat to reduce. And then it says, Francis Simmons, graduate dietitian, formerly nutrition specialist for the Farm Security Administration in California and nutrition consultant for two California hospitals, has cooperated on this safe 12-day diet. (laughs) I think that sounds really funny. She's cooperated about it. But does she sound happy about it? I don't know. (laughs) Um, Then it goes on to say, any safe-reducing diet should be balanced to include proteins, vitamins, minerals, and just enough carbohydrate to enable your body to, quote-unquote, burn up your own fat. Meat, mainstay of most menus, is an important source of complete protein, vitamins, especially the vitamin B group, and iron, copper, and phosphorus. This 12-day thrift meat diet is based on the new National Nutrition Yardstick, Close quote. So here they are finally acknowledging the nutrition yardstick, and that's really important. But this is a very interesting diet. It kind of—I mean, I don't—I'm not an expert on the Atkins diet, but it kind of resembles that a little bit because it is focusing on meat and um, not using carbohydrates very much. So this is also October nineteen forty-one. This is before the start of the war by two months almost exactly. And I'm not sure how well this diet went down after the war Um, because once meat rationing started, I I don't know how easy it would have been to keep up this diet. All right, so here are some simple rules for this diet. Drinking eight to 10 glasses of water a day. Don't eat between meals. Don't eat more than two tablespoons of butter daily. No other fat is allowed or should be used in any form of cooking. So there was a lot of braising, and broiling of meat. You don't use any flour in the diet, unless specified. Um, And this newspaper article was like a six-day series that provided several days worth of menus. You trim all the extra fat from the meat before you cook it. Eat as much clear broth as you want, keeping your eating times regular. No sugar is allowed, but saccharin may be used for sweetening. Only lemon juice and mineral oil for salads. No mayonnaise or French dressing allowed. Use seasonings sparingly. So I know that saccharin though was one of those artificial sweeteners that if used too much had health impacts. So, But I think they're trying to say just keep the sweetening down anyway. Okay, so I wanted to give you an example of one of their first, like the first day's menu. Okay, this is what it looked like. For breakfast, a large glass of unsweetened grapefruit juice. Woo, that's sour. Uh, Four strips, crisp, well-drained bacon, black coffee. For lunch, a sandwich made of two slices dry brown bread or toast, broiled cubed steak, two slices tomato, lettuce, one tablespoon butter, large glass of milk. For dinner, a clear broth, broiled shoulder veal chop, green peas, have grapefruit broiled, black coffee or tea with lemon. So that's just one day. And so, the, I mean, they were claiming that they were following the nutrition yardstick. So making sure you're getting enough of all of those food groups, um, except for the bread group. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, interesting. So that's that diet. Another diet was in this article called That Body of Yours by J.W. Barton. M.D. from the Missoulian, which is from Montana, July 1941. So this is also pre-war. But I thought it was important enough to mention because of some of the concepts that we will be encountering in some other diets. This is a doctor who had a male patient who had had some success with a reduced diet for losing weight. And so he suggested he go on a starvation diet where one day a week, when the man wasn't very active like a Sunday, he eat almost nothing. So this was the menu that was suggested. At 8 a.m., he has one large orange, one cup coffee, two tablespoons cream. At 10 a.m., one glass skimmed milk. 12 p.m., one large orange, one cup clear broth. At 2.30 p.m., one glass skimmed milk. At 5 p.m., one large orange, one cup clear broth. And 9 p.m., one glass of skimmed milk. And then tea and coffee without cream and sugar could be taken as he desired. And then the article says, aside from the fact that the overweight has the satisfaction of knowing that he has eaten practically no food for the day and has in his mind's eye just what the amount of food he did not eat looks like, there are two other points about this starvation diet which are important. So keep that in your mind's eye, I guess, of all that food you're not eating. These are the two things that are important about this diet. One, the cells are like fish, so they need plenty of liquid to work properly. So I like that they acknowledge that. Two is that reduced or starvation diets produce acidity in the blood. And this condition in the 40s was called acidosis. And the citrus fruits counteracted that by acting as alkalines in the blood and tissues. Uh, So in all, the liquids, oranges, lemons, and grapefruits were acting as protectors while on this starvation diet. I think that's really interesting science. So I'm not sure how things have changed now, if that's a thing or that uh, citrus fruits counteract that, but I think that's very interesting. And I wonder if this is kind of the reason why grapefruit as a diet food became such a thing because of this. Uh, way of thinking in science that citrus fruits acted as a protectant f- from acidosis. Uh, I'm not sure, but it would be interesting to investigate. Another interesting diet was from Ida Jean Kane. She had a column in the St. Louis Globe Democrat, and this was from March of 1943. She says, a woman is apparently ready and willing to believe almost anything she hears about weight. One of the most persistent notions to go the rounds is that some certain food or combination of foods is to blame for the excess of pounds. But women who go for years without eating bread or potatoes or having sugar in their coffee are often the ones who never lose an ounce. Cutting out one food does not necessarily lower the calorie intake for the day enough below the energy needs to affect the weight. Usually that is not enough to make much difference in the day's total calories. If you are puzzled by what you hear about calories and pounds, don't imagine you are the only one. You have plenty of company. One lady wrote that, I know an apple and a potato each counts 100 calories, but my friends insist a potato is more fattening. When the calorie count is the same, one food couldn't possibly be more fattening than another. The calorie count is simply the measure of the energy furnished by a food. You either use the energy or you store it, but you only store it when the calories furnished exceed your needs the liquid diet still has its followers and it is hard to figure out why. You can get just as many calories in liquids as you can in solid foods and nothing makes you hungrier for a good meal than three days on liquids. I think for the first time I'm feeling like this sounds kind of like modern thinking when it comes to dieting in a healthier way, I guess, kind of the calories in calories out idea. And I kind of like the point that she makes that it's true. Like you can take in so many calories through liquid. Um, just look at soda pop. You know, there's so many calories in just, you know, a cup of soda or even juice. Um, so it's really she's talking about that calories are just calories. And I think that is kind of a really forward modern way of thinking. She goes on to explain that quote unquote overweights. Why are they making that a noun? That's just what I want to know. Okay, overweights claim to eat one decent meal a day and still gain weight. She argues that one decent meal probably has a huge amount of calories in it. So the best strategy to keep the calorie count down is to eat three low-calorie, balanced meals. She also was against drinking a large glass of water at mealtime for a few reasons. One is that the water washes off the taste buds and wets the appetite for more food. Second is that a large quantity of water with food stretch the stomach. So she suggests limiting mealtime liquids to eight ounces. And if you have a soup, hot beverage, or milk, do not drink any water. So this actually, (sighs) when I read this, it really struck a chord with me because this is kind of how I think about when I eat. I don't drink a lot at mealtime. I try to keep it low. And I actually don't even drink water. I usually have something that has a little bit of calories in it, like a watered down juice or you know, milk or something like that. That's just what I do. And I don't drink very much of it because I prefer to get my calories through the food as opposed to the what I'm drinking at mealtime. So I think this is really interesting. Um, and I've never thought about how water washes off your taste buds and what's your appetite for more food. I've really not never thought about that before. That's very interesting. You know, and I have heard advocates in modern like our days today that drink water first before you eat so that you don't eat as much. Um, But she's claiming, you know, that liquids stretch your stomach. So actually that doesn't help. Um, So I don't know. It's it's just an interesting concept. All right. The key thing about her strategy is that excess pounds should be used up by restricting the menus to the protective foods and the calorie intake to two-thirds the day's requirement. So If you're trying to lose weight, you need to be taking in two-thirds of the day's requirement of calories. Finally, she offers three things to bear in mind when you tackle reducing. She says that no food is fattening unless it tops your calorie requirement. No food or combination of foods is reducing unless your total calories for the day are below your needs. Your diet is only as safe as its protective food content. I think this is actually a really healthy way of thinking about losing weight. Um, She's very no-nonsense and practical about it. Um, It's just really down to the calories and stop assigning evil, you know, concepts towards certain foods. And I think that's actually a really healthy way of looking at food. The column also mentions her book called Protective Reducing Diet, Later in her career, she also wrote a book that was published in 1958 called Stay Slim for Life. And you can check out the link in my resources on my podcast blog for a really interesting article about her career. Okay, on in a different article in the Montgomery Advertiser from December 1942, uh, Mrs. Kane offers some more insight, and it's called Your Figure, Madam. She says there's no strength in excess fat and you really do feel more fit and have greater endurance with your weight at normal. But any reducing diet that leaves you tired and listless is a poor one to follow. Make your menus measure up to the nutrition yardstick and you will be on a victory diet. You will add to your vitality while taking your weight down. So once again, I think this is really healthy language about weight loss and that she is, you know, emphasizing eating balanced meals because that was really at the heart of the problem of America's you know, health. And it's really heartening to know that there were messages like this out there that hopefully was counteracting the negative things like with what I started out with. A lot of these diet fads and diet supplements and whatnot that claim all these things. She is offering a much more positive message about food. She also talks about how the craving for missing nutrients may be the main cause of your voracious appetite. This one really raised a flag for me, not in a bad way, but I was like, whoa, I, I have not in all of this research for this episode come across this way of thinking. This is also, I think, really modern way of thinking that missing nutrients are is the cause of your why you're hungry. Um, and that's also at the heart of, you know, the malnutrition in the country. She says to cut down on calories but she, and stresses the protective foods. To do this, she, she suggests, including in your day, an egg, two glasses of skim milk or buttermilk, a cooked green leafy vegetable, a chopped green salad, a third vegetable, two fresh fruits, one, a citrus or tomatoes, a serving of lean meat, fish or fowl, at least four slices of 100% whole wheat or enriched bread, and one and one and a half tablespoons of butter. So this is following the nutrition yardstick that they're talking about um, to include all of those things from the food wheel of the seven food groups. And she's offering you exactly what you need to do. And I think that's so helpful for anyone that was looking, you know, for a way to slim down. She's telling you how to do it. And it's so simple. All right. So to keep the change in calories from being too drastic, she suggests, quote unquote, space filler foods such as coleslaw, celery, a mixed green salad, apples, and some of the chewy foods, such as crunchy biscuits. They trick your appetite into contentment. And here we're talking about that texture. Um, If you're on a liquid diet, you, I think it'd be so hard because your teeth just want to chew something. In fact, my four-year-old, He says he needs something for his sharp teeth to chew on. (laughs) I think it's so cute. That's really so true. It's it's a four-year-old's way of explaining exactly what she's talking about, is that we just need that, you know, texture difference in our diet. She also says that salt and too much water may stimulate the appetite, explaining again that the water washes the taste buds. And then she says that ice water stimulates the mucous membranes. So drink no more than eight ounces of fluid with your meals and not ice water. So very interesting. She says, the safest and most comfortable way to get rid of the excess pounds is to eat three meals a day on time. Include all the protective nutrients and cut down gradually on both calories and the quantity. At first, you may have to exercise your willpower to do this, but it gets easier every day of your diet. Thank you, Mrs. Kane, for your wise words. All right, so... From the Pittsburgh Sun Telegraph, June 1944, there is another article that says, who said food rationing would help my figure? And it shows a woman, uh, a picture of a woman working in her victory garden, and her husband is looking down at her, and she's looking up at him. And, you know, (laughs) she's, you know, clearly overweight in this picture. And and it's this idea that people were thinking food rationing would help their figure, and yet this woman had not found that to be true. It says, in spite of food rationing, people gain weight because of too many starchy, vitamin-poor foods. If your figure isn't as slim as you'd like, better try the sensible rye crisp reducing plan. Now, the reason why I kind of included this in the section of the newspaper diets is because even though it's an ad for a food product, it was, I don't know if you've heard of rye crisp. They're just like 100% rye crackers. And you could obtain the free booklet called low point, low calorie meal planner by requesting one in the mail. So essentially, I mean, it was advertising rye crisp, but they had a whole plan in a booklet that you could obtain for this diet. And of course, rye rye crisp crackers were at the heart of the meal plan. And they were just kind of a bread replacement. Um, there's no bread in the diet, but these rye crisp crackers are the, are the grain. I personally wasn't able to obtain a copy in a search online. There just wasn't one available. But Erin, a lovely follower of mine on Instagram, messaged me with images of this amazing booklet that she just found. And she was so kind enough to send me pictures of the whole book for me to study. And I'll have a few of these pictures on my blog for you to to take a look at, including some of the menus and recipes. And I just wanted to give a huge thank you to Erin Phillips. Sourcing original documents and books for this podcast isn't always easy and can be expensive, so she really helped a lot with that. And sometimes you just can't find things. So this was very awesome timing on her part. So the book provided a reducing diet for women and a reducing diet for men. I like that they have the separate because men and women's body needs are different. It has the added caveat that, quote, these diets are not designed for those whose obesity is due to glandular or organic causes. So not health related causes. Um, The beginning of the book actually echoes the Rye Crisp ad. It says, you might think food rationing would automatically keep people slim. Not at all. During food rationing, people tend to fill up on starchy, unrationed foods. They get too many carbohydrates and not enough protective foods. As a result, many are overweight and at the same time actually underfed. So there you go. There's that message again. It goes on to say, when you have a cold, a headache, a persistent pain, you do something about it. Excess fat is a dangerous signal too. First of all, excess fat is a warning that you'll have less energy for normal activities because you'll be forced to use some of your energy to carry your surplus weight around. More important, every pound of surplus fat places an added burden on the heart. Diabetes is another penalty of excess weight. Those who are too fat do not stand infections well and are poor surgical risks. In fact, your insurance company will tell you that the bigger your waistline is, the shorter your lifeline is apt to be. What can you do about it? So this brings up a lot of points that I think even are talked about today. Um, It does take extra energy to carry surplus weight around. It's exhausting. And, you know, there are other health risks involved, like diabetes, like they mentioned, and being a poor surgical risk. So I like that they're pointing these real world examples out. I, I think that's important to inform people about even back then um so they ask you what can you do about it lose fat and be fit of course that's number one number two your diet must supply protective foods. so that's the nutritional yardstick it says don't be tempted to indulge in alcoholic beverages fatty foods fried foods starches or sweets you'll get slim faster if you learn to say no thank you And number three, being on a reducing diet can be fun, providing you keep your meals from becoming monotonous. Actually, there's no limit to the variety of tempting menus you can plan from the basic low-calorie diet. To help you get started, menus for one week are suggested on this and the following three pages. If any vegetable or fruit included in these menus is not easily available in your community, simply choose an alternate. Remembering to always use the basic diet on page four as your guide. So here's an example for one of their menus. Uh, For breakfast, half a grapefruit, a poached egg, cereal with skim milk, a half teaspoon sugar with some black coffee, and three rye crisp crackers. Lunch or supper, cold sliced chicken, tomato and lettuce salad, spicy dressing, three rye crisp, a pear, and buttermilk. Then for dinner, roast beef, cauliflower, green beans, three rye crisp, tea, and then raspberries with skim milk it's interesting some of the, the recipes that they include for desserts. A lot of them are just fruit, like a large cinnamon baked apple or junket made with skim milk. So that's like a a custard. And then they do have a few actual desserts, but it's angel food cake, which is very low in fat. In fact, I don't think it has any fat. It's just egg whites and sugar and flour. (laughs) So really interesting. And I think I mean, I can see this as a you know, legitimate diet that somebody could follow, and they are following the nutrition yardstick, so good for them. Um, of course, it's using the rye crisp, but I also applaud that they are using their their particular product to fulfill one of the food groups. Instead of cutting out any one food, they are replacing it with an option, so people aren't going without grains, which was against the what the government was trying to achieve with the seven food groups. There were also articles that warned people against diet fads and encouraged women to shun them. In the Spokane Chronicle from May 1942, it said, shun diet fads, put food value into your menu by Forrest Williams. He said it remained for this country with its ability to glamorize and dramatize fresh ideas to take the lead in promoting some of the most ridiculous and often unsound dietary plans. From extreme vegetarianism to nothing but meat, from overdone fletcherization to the Hollywood diet, charlatans and quacks, promoters and sincere but frequently misguided searchers have offered various plans to that gullible section of the public willing to try anything, No estimates are available on how much damage has been done to the national health through the adoption of harmful systems. It is a well-established fact, however, that millions of dollars have been wasted in following them. It also, um, in the article, emphasizes not eating too much, but not eating too little either. Any diet that leaves out any specific thing isn't healthy, and that all the healthful things in a balanced diet are needed to protect your health. A balanced diet included milk, eggs, meat, fresh and raw fruits and vegetables, and the right amount of bread is the quote-unquote only normal diet. So there you have it. Um, I am so glad that people were speaking up against these diet fads and to put food value into your meals. So making sure you're focusing on nutrition and just um, being careful with your portions to help you lose weight. And that is the only normal diet. So, bravo for them for speaking up against the crazy diets. Now, I realize it mentions extreme vegetarianism. I don't know if this means, like, what we today would call, like, being vegan. And I, I'm not sure what they mean by that. I, I mean, I know that bi- vegetarianism has been around for a long time in our country. So, I don't know. It's just... Um, I think that he is just kind of speaking out against all of these kind of extreme things and promoting, you know, going. it's going along with what the government is trying to get people to eat and just protecting your health with food, like a good variety of food. So, and as I read this article, I was also brought to mind, like before in a previous episode, I was talking about that some religions did not eat meat. And so... This kind of leaves them out of the picture a little bit, but they did have their ways of making sure that you got things in your diet that provided the protein you needed um, if you did not eat meat. So I also want to point that out. This final thing I wanted to talk about in these diets that you could find in newspapers was the Dewberry Success Course. If you own any wartime magazines from life mademoiselle good housekeeping or women's day you probably have seen a dewberry ad and it usually features uh, just a regular woman that could be from your neighborhood who has done this diet and she's lost this amazing amount of weight and she looks fabulous it's a, it was actually very hard at first to find anything specific about the Dewberry diet plan because this was a whole success course. It, it not only talked to you about, you know, what you ate, it also taught you things about cosmetics and exercise and decorum. There were a lot of things they covered in their course. But finding specific diet stuff was a little hard. But I did find a blog called Material Mode. It's a fashion of Institute of Technology blog through the State University of New York. And they actually had some specifics about the diet of the Dewberry success course. In the article, it says the success course consisted of six weekly folios containing daily lessons. An elimination diet was required the first seven days consisting of a daily intake of 10 to 12 oranges, 2 apples, pears, or peaches, 2 tomatoes, 2 carrots, 1 head of cabbage or lettuce, 1 grapefruit, 6 stalks of celery, tomato juice, black coffee, or tea. Before bedtime, women were also advised to take milk of magnesia to assist in elimination. The equivalent of a modern-day cleanse, the elimination diet was touted to flush the intestinal tract and start the enrollee on the path of weight reduction if so desired. Following the elimination diet, women were encouraged to eat as a beauty eats for the rest of their lives, which was very much in a similar high-carb fashion of fruits and vegetables with the addition of a small amount of meat, fish, or fowl at the evening meal, close quote. So to learn more about this course, you can see the resources on the blog post for this episode. You can also check out the podcast Dressed, The History of Fashion. One of the the hosts tries out the Dewberry elimination diet. And I'll have a link for that. It's very interesting. (laughs) So next, we're moving away from newspapers, which as you can tell, has been a wealth of information about weight loss to cookbooks. Now, this is not something I would normally have thought of for looking to for weight loss information. But I happened to see that section in my cookbook when I was doing research for the uh, Christmas recipe swap. So I thought that was very handy. And so as I looked in more of my cookbooks, I found quite a few of them had sections on weight reduction or reducing. In the ration cookbook, it says, don't follow the maxim. Eat everything, but eat less of it. That way lies temptation. Cut out all desserts except plain fruit, gravies and sauces, salad dressings, hot breads and sweet breads. Cream soups, butter on vegetables, cream, creamed vegetables, fried foods, fat meats, syrups, candy, soft drinks, alcoholic drinks, hors d'oeuvres, and canapes. Um, so no bacon. That's sad. <laughs> but I think this is interesting. And since we've already gone over a lot of things in newspapers, I'm really just going to touch on the, the the basic differences that I noticed in the cookbooks. So the fact that this says... You know, to not follow this idea of eat you can eat everything, just eat less of it, which is what a lot of these other diets in the newspapers were talking about. This says that way lies temptation. Unfortunately, <laughs> I do not uh live this way if I am trying to lose weight. I believe in eating, being able to eat anything I want, but just eating less of it. So sorry, ration cookbook. <laughs> I deny everything that you say. Um. <laughs> so next up is the Good Housekeeping Cookbook. My issues from 1944. It mentions that we tend to gain weight as we get older. So we should maintain a weight of what a normal weight would be for our height at age 30. I think that's very interesting. It says to weigh yourself each week, and if there is a tendency to put on weight, cut out high-calorie foods such as candy, sugar, cream, fats, starchy vegetables, and sweet or rich desserts. Uh, What other dessert is there except sweet ones? (laughs) Then they propose a nine-day reducing diet, which was a low-calorie diet you could follow if you needed to lose a few pounds. Once you finished the nine days, you were to take a break and add back a few of the foods... Um, you weren't eating during the diet, as long as you're able to maintain your weight. Then you could go back on the nine-day diet after a week's vacation from it. So I think that was very interesting too. Okay, so next to last is the New American Cookbook. Their section about um, weight loss is called Weight Regulation Through Diet. So their take is to eat as little fat as possible, limit the carbohydrate foods you eat, So avoid pies, pastries, preserves, candies, and ice cream. Limit bread and potatoes. Take ample protein in the form of skimmed milk, buttermilk, very lean meat, and cottage cheese. It offers menu examples for one day. (laughs) Also, it has a long list of don'ts, including don't drink too much water with meals, don't use drugs of any kind for reducing weight, which is dangerous, don't use alcohol, don't start out too enthusiastically, Willpower and persistence count for more in a long race than enthusiasm. Don't swallow food you haven't chewed properly. Don't try fad cures for obesity. Don't let your appetite deceive you into believing that the diet is weakening you. And carry out a diet under the supervision of a skilled physician. Don't eat between meals or after your third meal. Drinking weak unsweetened tea or a glass of real buttermilk should help hunger cravings. Don't think that because your parents were stout, you cannot reduce. Overeating and lack of exercise are much more potent causes. And don't take liberties with the diet table if you expect to get results. Adhere strictly to the general principles. So there you go. I think this is interesting because it points out to don't let your appetite deceive you into believing that the diet is weakening you. Um, I think it's important to establish whether you're feeling weak because you're not getting enough nutrients and food. Or if you're just like really hungry because you're used to eating more food and your body's craving those fats and sugars. So um, I'm not quite sure what they mean by that. But yeah, that little inner voice sometimes will tell you, oh, I could really use some chips right now. And it's very tempting to eat it. But um, maybe that's what they're talking about. (laughs) Um, I do like that they say to carry out a diet under the supervision of a skilled physician. And to stay away from those fad diets and pills. So that's good that they mentioned that. This is another thing that you don't see mentioned very often. is that they're talking about don't think because your parents were one way that you cannot lose weight. So this is talking about hereditary traits. So that's this is their stance on that. Um, one last cookbook which is actually the cookbook feature today, is called the Victory Meal Planner. But I will get more into that later. Finally, I wanted to talk about this Vogue magazine article. I wanted to send a special thank you to Emily Hartman. She I put out a call on Instagram saying, help, <laughs> I need to find this article. It's made mention of in um, one of the newspaper articles I found. They say the specific pages, the name of the article in the Vogue magazine. I, I was just had to hunt it down, <laughs> but I couldn't access it online. And so Emily was so sweet and obtained uh, pictures of the particular article I was looking for this magazine not only has this article called New Diet, Good and Legal, um, there was also an ad, which I'll go into in just a little bit um, for another one of those food, miracle foods. (laughs) So the magazine's article called New Diet, Good and Legal, it says, checked for rationing by the OPA, Checked for food values with charts of the government's Bureau of Human Nutrition. Checked for skin beauty. Checked for weight maintenance by a physician. And then it says, to feed your interest and foster your beauty, to keep your weight constant, to keep you fit. These 21 menus were devised with the ration points allowed a family of four. This is the diet for normal adults. Children and hyperactive adults need one more pound of potatoes weekly, and the unhappily plump should check these menus against calorie charts. (laughs) Oh dear. On the main page of this article are all these menus for a week's worth of meals from breakfast to supper. And so this was not just for keeping your weight in check, but it was to um, foster your beauties. And they have all of these things backing them in this in these menus, including the OPA, the Bureau of Human Nutrition, and by a physician. I mean, this is Vogue magazine, so they were very serious about getting their facts straight for this for their articles. I really admire that. <laughs> but in this description, So children and hyperactive adults. I don't think what they're talking about is what we would call hyperactive today, like ADHD or something like that. Um, I think what they mean is just adults who are very active. Um, So they would naturally need more calories. And the unhappily plump. Oh, dear. (laughs) So what they're saying is to check these menus against a calorie chart. So making sure it's not exceeding the calories that you need to be taking in to reduce your weight. So here are a few of the menus. So for a uh, Wednesday, we'll pick Wednesday. For breakfast, the good old grapefruit. <laughs> Tea or coffee, whole grain cereal, toasted bread with honey. For lunch, carrot souffle, coleslaw and watercress salad, camembert or cottage cheese and crackers, and milk. And then for supper, vegetable soup, roast fresh pork, applesauce, baked potato stuffed with potato and celery, salt sticks, Orange, lemon, lime, jelly dessert. I'm not quite sure what salt sticks are. Those might be like cracker sticks that are sprinkled with salt. I'm not sure. Just for comparison, let's let's read off Thursday's menu. Orange juice, tea or coffee, whole grain cereal, one boiled egg, toasted bread with apple butter for breakfast. For lunch, shirred eggs and courgettes, soda biscuits, beet salad and cottage cheese grapefruit and honey heated under a flame, and milk. And then for supper, pea and ham bone soup, tongue and chicken, mince, spiced pears, brioches, spinach and beet greens, and pancakes with rum sauce. And then uh, the rest of the article is really just instructions on how to prepare all this food, (laughs) Um, all the foods for the week. I thought there would be more information about, you know, the whys of the diet, but nope, it's mostly just instructions on following it and They pretty much state what the purpose of these menus are at the beginning. Really interesting. The final thing I wanted to talk about is actually a modern phenomenon, but it's based on wartime rationing, and that is the ration diet phenomenon. From what I understand, it was all kind of started by Carol Eakins in the UK, and she had a blog called The 1940s Experiment. It was the first most widely known experiment to lose weight using British wartime rations. And you can still visit her website. She's still pretty active there. And it's at the 1940s experiment.com. And while it's not about American rationing, I still think it merits mentioning because it's a modern way of losing weight, but using food and menus and recipes and the ration amounts. Um, from wartime England. And there was actually a book published. It's called The Ration Book Diet by Mike Brown, Carol Harris, and CJ Jackson, published in, ni- in 2004. It's a modern diet based on the British rationing system. And in the book, it says Compared to today, the wartime diet was low in fat, sugar, and meat. And the advice we have now shows that this was a far healthier way of eating than the way people are accustomed to today. It was all about balance, not eating too much of anything, and it seemed to work. So it was um, higher in starches like potatoes, and they also had the national loaf. And this was made from a high-fiber wheat meal flour. The diet consists of eating seasonably while using the wartime rationed amounts of fats, meat, and sugar. And I have um, followed some people on Instagram and blogs that follow this diet when they want to lose weight, and they share their journey in social media. And I just find it very fascinating. I I actually think it's kind of a cool experiment to eat the way our grandparents did um, with the intent of losing weight. Now, I think it works on the British rationing diet because their rations were so much less than American rationing. And so I don't know if it would be as easy to follow American rationing for a diet of this type just because the rationing system was so different and the amounts were not as easy to measure as the the British rations are. But like I said at the beginning, if following a wartime diet to lose weight is something you're interested in, definitely consult your physician first. Today's cookbook feature is Victory Meal Planner. This was published in 1942 by the New York State Bureau of Milk Publicity. And their slogan is, Satisfy Thirst, Fortify Health, Drink Milk. So you could probably guess what the basis of a lot of recipes are in this cookbook. In the introduction, it says, Nutrition and meal planning are important to family and country. This meal planner has been designed to help you with one of your most vital problems, the preparation of daily meals. For planning well-balanced meals with utmost economy has become a patriotic duty. Your attention is especially invited to the meal planning chart. It is recognized by health authorities that proper food is essential to good health. And the health of every American is now more than his own personal concern. It is a matter of vital importance to the nation. One of the things stressed at the National Nutrition Conference at Washington, D.C., and in all government literature since, is the necessity of taking enough of the vitally needed foods to maintain health. Not just borderline health, but top notch health. Tops on all official nutrition charts, indispensable to health is milk. Health authorities recommend at least a pint a day for adults, a quart for children. Most people find milk a delicious, refreshing beverage. If you are one who does not, be sure your diet includes milk in soups, sauces, gravies, puddings, and ice cream. You owe it to yourself, your family, and your country to see that your daily meal planning includes sufficient milk to maintain top-notch health. And then it goes on to explain some of the vital indispensable elements contributed by milk. Calcium, energy value, this is 170 calories in a cup of milk alkaline factor to help fatigue, vitamin A, vitamin B1, uh, vitamin B2. And then it shows a very helpful visual chart to help you plan helpful meals. And this is the seven food groups. Now, this cookbook is a meal planning guide. It covers 12 days of meals. And they recommend these menus as a way to kind of format your own menus. Now, the reason why I chose this book for this episode is because for the bulk of the book, it has daily menus for the normal diet. And those are the 12 days that I was talking about. But then at the back, it says, and if you want to lose weight, then it has its own kind of system of a 12 day diet with all of the meal plans. It says daily menus for the reducing diet. Keeping slim helps you not only keep in style, but in top-notch health as well. Getting slim is a matter you should approach with care. Cut down on fattening foods. Never cut down on nourishing foods. In this respect, milk is an invaluable aid, providing vitamins and minerals essential for the well-being of nerves, teeth, skin, blood, and heart muscles. No reducing diet should be without fruit, especially oranges, bananas, apples, vegetables, preferably of the leafy type or tomatoes. Milk, at least a pint a day or more. Never try to lose more than one quarter pound a day without the advice of your doctor. And I appreciate that they mentioned that, like losing weight too quickly can be unhealthy as well. Their diet has a very interesting system. They have a square, a diamond, and a circle. And then they label them with the square with an S, the diamond with a D, and the circle with a C. For the square symbol, these diets planned to thin you have been proved by Hollywood stars. Foods indicated by square are must foods. So these are the foods that are meant to protect your body the D or diamond foods, limiting yourself to the foods indicated by diamond will help you lose about four pounds every two weeks. So it's maybe not quite as extreme as just following the foods that are the square symbol foods. And then the circle foods, if you also include the foods indicated by circle, you should lose about two pounds every two weeks. So it's just depending like on how fast you want to lose weight. To save time, instead of reading it all out for you, I will have a picture of this up on my blog so that you can see how this uh, menu plan for dieting is put together with these symbols. And what's also interesting, at the back, they mention if you are underweight, then they have advice for people who are underweight, um, things that they would need to do to help them gain weight. And it's pretty much the opposite of the losing weight diet. So really fascinating book, um, with a definite slant towards milk. <laughs> now, I'm going to talk about the recipes. <laughs> this is one of those cook... I don't... Have you ever had the experience where you feel like a cookbook is out to get you? <laughs> that was this cookbook. You know, flipping through the recipes that they provide, I was really fascinated with a lot of them. There's a lot of really cool looking recipes in here. So I had plenty to choose from. In fact, it was very hard to pick which ones I wanted to do. So I'm going to start off with the recipe that I had really great success with. That was the spinach and cheese casserole. Now, any recipe involving cooked spinach is like a big no for me. (laughs) There's something about the taste and the texture of cooked spinach that really grosses me out. The only way I'll eat it is in a quiche. I love spinach and onion quiche, actually. That's really good. Um, So I was a little hesitant about this spinach and cheese casserole, but I probably didn't really need to be because it's similar a little bit to a quiche, but, um, and you'll see why. So it calls for one small chopped onion, six tablespoons flour, two to three cups of milk, a quarter teaspoon pepper, eight to 10 cooked shrimp, one cup minced spinach, six tablespoons of butter, half teaspoon salt, and half cup grated or sliced cheese. So what you do, you just fry the onion to a delicate brown in the butter. You add the flour and blend it together. Then you add the milk gradually. You stir in the spinach and add any water left from the spinach. Now I used a frozen spinach that I had in my, like I had a block of frozen spinach in my freezer. So I thawed that out and that's what I used. And it says to vary the milk according to the amount of water from the spinach. And so they they're, they want you to use the water from the spinach because there's a lot of vitamins in there. <laughs> place the mixture in a casserole. Cover the top with grated cheese or sliced cheese and dot with the shrimp and place under the flame long enough to melt the cheese. Um, I think what they mean is if you have a gas oven. I don't. So I just put it in the broiler to melt the cheese, like like in my oven with the broiler on. And it serves Six. Now I picked this recipe, one, because I knew I had that spinach lurking in the bottom of my chest freezer. (laughs) And two, because we had happened to have shrimp for Christmas. And so I was very excited to use some of that shrimp. But if you are vegetarian or would like to try this without any meat or shrimp and you don't like shrimp, you can easily leave it off because you just put it on top. You don't mix it in. So I think it would be enjoyable either way. Now this recipe, was really good. Actually, we, all of us really enjoyed this. Well, except for my four-year-old who can't have milk. Um, but it was very good. In fact, we discovered it tasted really good on crackers. We had some club crackers left over from Christmas as well. It tastes super good on there too. So it, it can be kind of versatile. You could probably have it on toast. Um, yeah, there's lots of ways to eat this. It's really good and it's good with the shrimp too. But, um, yeah, delicious. So highly recommend this one. <sighs> but then, <laughs> oh, the other two recipes. Okay, what should we start with? Uh, let's start with the simple one. This was for almond peach cream. This recipe has five ingredients, super simple, and it sounded delicious. One cup whipping cream, two tablespoons sugar, a quarter teaspoon almond flavoring, two and a half cups sliced peaches, fresh or canned, and then a half cup of shredded coconut. Brilliant. It's like just peaches and cream essentially, but with coconut tossed in. So you whip the cream and add the sugar and the flavoring. You fold in the peaches and coconut and then you chill it. There was something wrong with this recipe. Not that, I mean, it all went together easily enough, but that almond flavoring is a no-go. It is It makes it taste really weird. And so I, I think an easy fix would be to change that to vanilla flavoring. I think that would be super delicious. I don't know what it is with the almond with the cream and the peaches. It doesn't taste right. I don't know. You might have a different opinion, but yuck. In fact, my son agreed. He's like, it doesn't. (laughs) No. He's kind of my taste tester with me. He's the bravest of all my three kids. So, and even he was like, no. So yeah, just change it to vanilla. And I think this is a very winning, easy recipe. You'd be proud to serve to guests. So, or just eat for breakfast if you want. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'll try it again because, oh, I love peaches and cream. Yum. And with coconut, it just adds that little texture there. All right, so... That's that disappointing recipe. Luckily, <laughs> it's an easy fix. This next one, though, oh my gosh. This is when I wanted to strangle this book or the person who made this recipe. <laughs> so I decided to make this Adirondack chowder. I love chowder, guys. It's so good. But uh, it calls for a quarter pound salt pork diced finely. One large onion sliced, two tablespoons flour, Scored corn from six ears or one can of number two corn. That's what I, I just used a can of corn. One tablespoon chopped green pepper, six cups milk, one tablespoon salt, a half teaspoon pepper, one tablespoon sugar, a half tablespoon Worcestershire sauce, a small pinch each of ground cloves and mustard, pilot crackers, and a half cup cream whipped. What really got me to want to try this recipe was these pilot crackers. I had never heard of them. I was like, what are those? And several of the recipes in here call for these pilot crackers. And so I found some on on Amazon. Apparently they are a huge staple for um, Alaskans and the Pacific Northwest. They're just a huge staple. And it, it got me really curious. So I got some and it came in this huge two pound box of crackers. And when I pulled it out, it was one gigantic sleeve of these huge round, thick cracker biscuit things. And they're probably like, I don't know, over four inches in diameter. They're huge. Uh, and then you top these crackers with whipped unsweetened whipped cream. That also was like, ooh, that's interesting. So I made this. But, okay, I'll just read you the directions and then we'll talk about it. You brown the onion and salt pork. Add the flour and blend. Then you add the corn, green pepper, milk, and seasoning. You let it simmer for one hour, stirring frequently. And then you serve a split pilot cracker filled with unsweetened whipped cream on the top of each bowl of chowder. This also serves 6. So, I don't think I've ever simmered a chowder for 1 hour, but I I had problems with this. I did simmer this soup and I used 1% fat milk and it curdled. I've never had a chowder curdle before. This was just mind-boggling to me. I, the only thing I can think of is that it simmered, like it came to a a small boil, so and then it was just garbage after that. <laughs> I did not have salt pork; I actually just used like ham, like Christmas ham. <laughs> but it was oh, once it curdled, it was it, we couldn't eat it. It was just disgusting looking. So the chickens got lucky and had a really fancy dinner. <laughs> but I was determined to try this again. I did not want to give up, so I tried it again. Um, this time I used the liquid I figured this out later because it the second time round, it was super salty I was like this tablespoon of salt is insane um why is there a tablespoon of salt that then I remembered that I used for part of the liquid I used the the water from the canned corn don't do that guys (laughs) because it's salted and it totally threw off the salt of my soup I had to skim off like two or three cups of milk and add fresh milk just to knock down the salt content. It was awful. I was so angry by this time because, guys, that's 12 cups of milk, plus plus some, that I used for this dang recipe. It makes me so mad. In the end, it made an okay chowder. Like It was not the best. It was just okay. Uh, I hate you, cookbook. So anyway... I will try this again because anytime a recipe threatens to defeat me, I just get angry and (laughs) want to face that challenge. So I will be making this again, following it much more strictly, but you know, that simmer for one hour. I don't think you need to do it. I think you just need to heat it up um, because the vegetables are all cooked. There's no need for you to cook it that long. So Yeah but I have to give you a review of the Pilot Crackers. These things are dang good. Oh my gosh. I never knew a cracker could be so good. And topped with the whipped cream, so different, but so delicious. Uh, My adventurous older son, like he tried it and he's like, oh, and then he was like all into it. (laughs) The crackers with the whipped cream and the soup. So yeah, really interesting. And Adirondack chowder, I will conquer you. I will. Just wait. (laughs) I will have these recipes on my blog for you to try out if you are so brave. (laughs) Today's story highlight comes from a very special place. When I visited my best friend Mari in Las Vegas, we went antiquing, of course, because what else do you do in Las Vegas? Um, (laughs) And I found the most amazing find that I think I've ever come across in an antique shop. And that is a personal diary of a woman from 1945. I don't know her name In the inside, it says, to mother from Cheryl. Cheryl's one of her daughters. December 25th, 1944. I actually have some of the entries from this diary up on my history blog that I can leave a link for in my resources. And it's just, you know, about her life in California during the end of the war. I call her Mrs. X because I don't know her last name. I don't know her first name. The things I do know about her is that she was a Girl Scout leader. She had three children, one of which uh, was a son who was serving overseas in the military and uh, a husband. And she was a stay-at-home mom. She didn't work outside the home, but she was very involved in her daughter's uh, Girl Scout troop. Now, the reason why I wanted to um, talk about her was because there is a very short time in the middle of the year where she talks about how she is going to start reducing. Thursday, April 19th, 1945, she makes a little note in the margin that she started to reduce, question mark, (laughs) weight 152. So that's April. And then June 16th of that year, She writes in the margin, weighed 137 this a.m., lost 15 pounds. Hurrah! (laughs) And I just, I just love that. It was just a little part of, I mean, it was probably a big part of her life, but she just made a little note about it in the margin of her diary. And I just think that's so fantastic. Oh, I do want to make mention that she talks about when FDR dies and she talks about the end of the war. It's really, really special that she writes, you know, how she writes about the death of FDR and, and also when the Japanese surrender. So at the very, very end, at the end of the year, she says, this has been a very exciting year in many ways. The end of the war was the outstanding event, of course. I haven't kept a good diary this year, have been tearing around so fast I haven't done anything well. I'm very much ashamed of myself, and next year I hope to straighten myself out and really accomplish something. (laughs) Um, I love this. This is so endearing because, you know, I think this encapsulates how we all kind of feel at the end of any year, but this year in particular has been uh, a trying one. It's the closest that we can get to understanding maybe how they felt in wartime with restrictions and just everything in upheaval and different. And you know how she's kind of ashamed of herself. (laughs) Um, I'm sure we all have kind of a few regrets from this past year that we didn't accomplish as much as we wanted to. And I also have, I love that she says she has hope to straighten herself out. (laughs) Anyway, this diary is so special. And it's just a really lovely insight into just, you know, a regular woman in California during wartime, and just everyday life in war. And it's um, resources like this are so precious and few. And um, I have to tell you, I have run out of stories from listeners about their family wartime experiences. So if you have any friends or relatives that remember the war and what it was like to live on the American home front, please, please encourage them to um, go to my uh, podcast blog, victorykitchenpodcast.com, and fill out the form to share a Homefront story. Uh, keeping these stories alive means so much to me, and I think it's so important. The military stories, uh, they are being preserved, and you know there, there's people working hard on that, and that is so important, but these Homefront experiences are just as important stories to tell and to remember. That's it for today's podcast episode. Thank you so much for listening. I know this was one of a little bit longer episode, but there is just so many interesting aspects to this part of the war um, and what real people were dealing with. So thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram if you'd like. We have lots of fun over there and I share a lot of the things that I find in research and um, the take pictures of the food that I'm preparing for the podcast my handle is victory kitchen podcast and I would love your support which helps keep this podcast going to do so go to anchor.fm slash sarah crevison lee and click on support thanks so much for listening and I'll talk to you next time bye